if you want to become wealthy, you've got to value your time. You've got to hire out the busy work. You should not be going and changing toilets and fixing leaks and all that stuff. Just don't do it. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Justin Williams. Good morning, House Flipping Nation. Well, at least it's morning for me, 6 o'clock Monday morning. I am ready to take on another incredible week. Things have been pretty wild around here. You know, sometimes I talk about uh, this year or, or last year, December, and then this year, January. We kind of struggled with buying houses, and we put some things together, and uh, everything just started to pop. Um you know, just a couple months ago, and I'm pretty sure the past 50 days we've put about 50 houses under contract. It's wild. I we I keep thinking I'm like a deal a day. Okay, that's not going to last. Uh, but lo and behold, last week as you know, I looked at my um, my numbers. It was like okay, Monday got a deal. Tuesday got a deal. Wednesday got a deal. Thursday got two deals. Friday, got a deal. And then, you know, it's still Monday morning. I'm not sure what happened over the weekend, if we got any deals over the weekend. But regardless, it's been about a deal a day. And it's pretty exciting. It's kind of a little scary, if I'm being totally honest. A little scary, but that's good, right? It's good to stretch ourselves. If I'm in my comfort zone, then I'm doing something wrong and I need to keep growing. I need to be careful. You need to be smart. You need to be smart about it. And we're continuously looking at things that we can do to improve that foundation so that the structure that we're building, this massive building, can have a good solid foundation. Make sure that we're solid on project management. Make sure we're getting really good returns. Make sure that we're buying properties that have a very high resale, not high resale value, but um, high demand for for buyers. There's not a lot of active properties that are um, that no one's buying, and it's a, a market that's just yeah, right. Very big buyers pool. So looking at all those things are, are so important. Uh, but it's been fun and it's been exciting, and we're about to have our Monday morning meeting here in in about an hour, and just keep talking about those things. And now. You know, at first I was focused on, but you're also focused on something. We were focused on buying. Now, uh, then I was focused on financing. And now, although we're still really looking at financing because buying that many houses isn't super easy, now we're really looking at the project management and how can we um, rally around Jordan and, and make sure that he's on top of things and then how can we help make his job easier so he can continue to manage all these properties with the help of, of course, Vanessa and, and the others on the team. So it's it's been fun. I'll keep you guys posted. Um, I'm either going big or going home this year. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, I, I have no doubt it's going to be a great year. And uh, it's going to be fun, though. I'll keep you posted on how things go. Oh, real quick before I move on, I do need to give a good kudos to Kale. I know last week I harassed you a little bit for not getting any um, joking around that Tom passed you up. But good job, man. Three last week. That's amazing. And Tom does continue with his streak getting two, but um, awesome job, Kel. You're you're doing amazing. So good for you. Okay, so in today's episode, it's just going to be you and me. I know it's been a while. 
Um, and I want to talk about something, you know, in preparation for our seminar coming up on May 9th here in Orange County, uh, housemanhq.com slash seminar for more details. I've been going around and, and spoke a couple times last week uh, at the Invest Club for Women, and it's not just for women. Everyone's like, can I go if it's just for women? No, it's it's for the men who love them as well. And so I, they have three clubs. I spoke two times last week, and I'll be speaking again tomorrow night. And the presentation I've been doing is entitled uh, Roadmap to a Seven-Figure House Flipping Income. So I've created this presentation for two reasons. Number one, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and want you know a higher-end um, seminar, higher-end or more advanced strategy seminar on the systems of creating a seven-figure-a-year net income, right? Not just seven-figure um, gross, but seven-figure-a-year net income house flipping business. What does that look like? How do you do that? Because um, a lot of times I have to focus on on the basics because just to get past that is, is difficult. So what I did as I've been speaking is, you know, in the seminar, I'm going to just focus on the systems and and really dive into what that seven-figure machine looks like. But what I've been doing is I've been doing is I created a roadmap to get there. So people could see, you know, where I started, where you need to start, where other people who get there start, and and the steps that they take to eventually get there. Because it's, it's hard to feel like you can be there at the beginning. But I'll tell you, I just like anyone else, I had to start from the beginning. And then once you master the steps at the beginning, you can then move on to to the, the bigger steps. And there is absolutely um, a huge, you know, snowball effect, meaning starts off small, you know, you got a little bit going, you're pushing hard, and then it grows and grows and grows. And if you keep that momentum going, before you know it, it it's just taking off. And it's it's bigger than you can ever imagine. It just keeps growing. And it's a lot of fun. So um, I'm going to go through these steps. And let's get to it. So seven steps. All right. Step number one is education. And you guys have heard me talk about this before. You can't do that what you don't know. You've got to get educated and it does take time um however on the flip side of that i do see a lot of people get information overload they become seminar junkies and by seminar junkie i don't mean don't go to seminars right you've got to go to seminars that's where you're going to meet people that's where you're going to learn you should go to many seminars um as many as you can but you've got to apply what you've learned and when you meet people there you've got to figure out how you can work with them you're always looking to grow your business. The seminar junkie to me is they go to a seminar and they don't do anything for a couple months or a month. And then they go to that, they hear about another seminar, they go to the next seminar and then they go again and again and again, just because they, they want that good feeling. It feels good, like they're learning something, but they don't want to apply anything. So they go to the seminars to you know get their fix, if you will. So that's why we call it seminar junkies. So you don't want to be a seminar junkie. You don't want to get information overload. Meaning you're reading like 10 books a week and going to um, five real estate investment clubs and all these seminars and not doing anything, not taking action. But you've, So you've got to get educated though. I see people all the time who they don't know this business. They don't know how to analyze deals. You've got to learn how to analyze properties. You've got to understand your after repair values. You've got to know how to comp properties. You've got to know how to um, estimate repairs. So you've got to know all 
all of these things. You've got to put a lot of work into it, a lot of effort. I'd spent a lot of time and money on my education in the beginning. And even though some of it wasn't good, I was still putting in the time. Um, so step number one is education. You've got to get educated and continue to get educated. Uh, I'm always getting educated. You know, I just paid $20,000 a year to, to join the, an, another mastermind group. Um, so education is huge. Always get educated. Okay, so when it comes to education in the housekeeping business, you want to start with making sure you have a bird's eye view of the fundamentals. And if you guys listen to the podcast, you should pretty much have that. Um, it is five steps, deal analysis, buying, financing, uh, fixing or rehabbing, and then selling. So a general idea, but you don't need to delve too far into those last steps. You really want to focus at first on the first couple steps. You want to have an idea of the last steps, but you want to delve into understanding deal analysis and buying strategies. And then once you have that basic idea of everything, you really want to start taking action and not just taking action or massive action, but taking action where it counts, which includes, you know, looking at properties, um, making offers on properties, talking to sellers, marketing, uh, doing anything you can to get a house under contract. Now, I've talked about this before, but once you start taking action, it's like you enter this learning warp zone. I mean, you're, you you got to get educated. You got to, you know, you can't know that you need to learn how to analyze deals if you never learned that from anyone, but then you've got to do it, okay? And really, for the amount of time for, for learning the basics and getting educated should only take you it could be days, weeks, or months at the most. I would say a month at the most. And then you just got to go. You got to start doing. And then you keep getting educated as you go. But start looking at houses. Pick a farm area. Start driving around. Take action, okay? I always talk about failing forward fast. You've got to be willing to fail and not fail to lose money. But it's okay if you talk to people and, and you don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. It's okay if you make an offer that doesn't get accepted, all these kinds of failure are really not failure. They're really you learning. And as you learn and grow this understanding, that's what's going to help you in the long run. Um, I always you know, tell people, you know, rich people aren't really that much smarter. They, they, they're not. They just have um, experience in things that pay them more money. Really, they just they just take action. They just do things. They go for things. So you've got to be okay with failing. You know, I've got this little slide here on my the presentation I gave that has a picture of this you know crazy <laughs> Asian ninja guy, <laughs> and he's like hitting this thing and it's exploding. Anyway, I'm not explaining this very well. I have to have Kyle put in the show notes. It says you want to know the difference between a master and a beginner. The master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. And I guarantee you that I have failed more than than most people out there um, have ever even tried. Okay. Um, I fail all the time, every day, time and time again. You've got to be okay with it. You've got to be willing to fail. So that takes us to step number three. As you take action, you are going to fail. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to have questions. You're going to get confused. So what are you going to do? Um, you're going to ask questions. You're going to have you're going to have to surround yourself with a support group, um, people that you can l- reach out to on a daily basis. 
Um, this group could be someone, you know, a group of people that you found as you go to real estate investment clubs. Uh, you could say, hey, let's, let's get together on a regular basis. You could do an email group where you guys can email each other and ask questions. And when someone's feeling down, um, you can have an accountability partner. Maybe you have one person that you talk to once a week and you make goals. You know, I recently was listening to this guy who said, he had an accountability partner that they would make weekly goals and they would write each other a $2,000 check. And if they did not do those things that they said they would do within a week, then the other person could cash the check. Uh, now maybe for you, it's a cut. This guy, you know, has, has lots of money. So maybe for you, it'd be like a hundred bucks or a couple hundred dollars. And he said, what that did is he gets through his week and he's just doing stuff, right? We tend to fill our weeks and days with stuff even though he knew what he had to do in the last two days, he's like, Oh crap. You know, I don't want to have to <laughs> pay that guy $2,000. And not only that, but it's the, the embarrassment, right. Of not doing what you said you're going to do. And so he would, he would spend that next day or, or two days just cramming and getting it done no matter what it took. And he said that really helped him grow uh, his, his business in a huge way. Annie McFarland talks about an accountability, accountability partner that he had, um, who helped him realize that he wasn't doing enough, you know, back when he was just doing a deal or two a month, you know, 20 deals a year. So this guy was like, what do you do? You know, you could be the 500 pound gorilla in your market. You should be doing at least a hundred deals a year. And until he saw this guy that was doing that was just like him. And they were doing these accountability meetings, which, you know, Andy says, like, I didn't really change anything that much. It was just believing that I could do it. And this accountability partner is what led him to believe that. So group support, like I said, I've joined this $20,000 mastermind group that, oh man, the, the, the resources in there, not only the people am I working with them to buy houses and finance my deals, um, but also, also that, that accountability and seeing what other people are doing makes you realize you can do that. I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence that since the day I went to my first mastermind meeting with this group, that I've been buying a house a day. Okay. It's not, it's not coincidence. Part of that is because of the networking and the people I can buy houses from. And then part of that is just the belief that I can do it. And that there's a support group behind me that if I have questions or get stuck or, or need some help, they're going to be there for me. So once again, this is something you can create on your own. You can pay for it. I don't recommend you go out there and spend twenty, forty thousand dollars for a program. Most twenty or forty thousand dollar programs um, aren't that great. You know, the one I'm a part of, yeah, it is. You know, they, they make sure that people are qualified to be in there. And, you know, I'm at a level where I can afford it. But if you're just getting started and you don't have that disposable income, uh, even if you do, be very careful. Because a lot of the programs, the, the coach isn't really there. You know, you'll go to like, I'm just going to say it, like a Rich Dad, Poor Dad seminar. And you never see Robert Kiyosaki. And they've got this whole deal. Guys, as I've been educating more, I've been, I've kind of gotten to know a couple more of the gurus or, or know about them or learn about them. And it's kind of crazy. Some of the stuff that goes on, right? Like there are people who they take you to their seminar. And then I, I learned about this guy who he actually does a lot of the fulfillment for a lot of these so-called gurus. I mean, they go in and they sell you their programs and then it's the same company that has all these like college students or overseas people and the same program and they're just 
they're just like teaching you the same stuff. You know, they, they claim it as if it's their program, but it's really not. It's kind of oh, makes me just get the heebie jeebies. Right. So education is huge. I'm kind of going on a rant here, but education is huge. Education is important. You got to have a mastermind group. You got to have a support group. You've got to have someone. And if you say I don't have anyone, you got to find someone. Okay. It's not super simple. It takes time. Put in the effort. Just make sure you're actually learning from the people who uh, say the ones who say they're going to teach you that they're actually the ones teaching you. Watch out for those things. So that takes us to step number four. Okay, find your niche. Okay, so what do I mean by find your niche? As you get going, you're going to determine. Okay, do I like wholesaling more? Do I like fix and flipping more? And it doesn't mean you can start with one and then go to the other. Um, but not only that, but what location do you like? You might start in one location and then you might realize, ah, I like you test out another location. You like that location better. Uh, but once again, step number four can't happen until the first three things happen. You've got to be taking action because you're going to think you know what your niche is and that's important. You want to identify what you want to do, but then you're going to be adjusting. You're going to be moving until you kind of get settled in in this little area and then you nail it and then you scale it. So for example, you know, I know people who have, you know, a direct mail campaign that they love. They have the sequence they send out. They know the area that they're sending it to. And then they just have their KPIs, KP, K, key performance indicators. And they know for every thousand letters I send, this is how many calls I'm going to get from that many calls. This is how many um, people are appointments I'm going to make. And this is how many people we're going to close from that many appointments. And this is how many deals I'm going to get. And this is the average amount of profit I make from each deal. Boom. So then they can they have this machine that's like a printing money printing press, right? A legal money printing money printing press where they can just turn it on. And however much money they put into that, it's going to give them that times five. Okay? It's, it's pretty amazing. That's really kind of how it works once you um, get your niche figured out. Uh, there's, there's so many different niches and, and you're not really going to be able to figure out your niche because it is specific to you, your personality, your location, um, your team, what you have, their resources. You're not going to get that figured out until you get going and until you make mistakes, until you fail, until you get first educated, then you start to implement, then you have your group support because if you don't have group support, you're not going to last very long in this business. And then you kind of find your niche over time. You can adjust and change up your niche over time. But that's going to happen. And it's really happened to me in a big way. You know, I guess you could say my niche is kind of empowering other people and helping them grow and uh, help them take off in whatever their perspective niche is. So every single person that sells me houses, they can have their own niche. And my niche is just supporting them in their niche and making sure they're taken care of. Now, of course, you're not going to do things the way I do them until you get a little more advanced. Um, but it's all about, you know, finding your niche. You know, I, I keep wanting to be tempted to talk about my brother, Stephen. He has found this niche that is just absolutely incredible where he knows that it cost him a total of like $500 to buy a house. And he's working with this other guy. He's promised me not to like, you know, talk about it because once you find your niche it's so specific that you don't really want to share it a ton because it's so specific that other people can do it um and i'm okay with that i'm all about abundance and sharing ideas and thoughts and helping people get going and analyzing properties but it's like hey he's found his deal 
and he's really onto something and he's just absolutely crushing it right now. And I've seen other people, you know, a couple of years ago, three years ago when I was doing trustee sales, I found this one little area, this little price point, and I was just like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, I've done the same in every um, different buying method I've used. I found a little niche that works for me, but it takes time to get there. It takes time, okay? Actually, last Tuesday, as I was driving back from you know, speaking in Irvine, I had this epiphany because I was talking about finding your niche. And I realized that every time before I had a huge breakthrough and my company really started to take off, I had a lot of struggle. It was it was a challenge. So you're going to have challenges, okay? Um, the first time was in 2010 and 11 when I 2010 was a, a rough year, right? Right? We adjusted our niche um, from from short sales to fix and flips and buying on the MLS REOs as well as you know trying to get into trustee sales. And it was just a rough year because I was learning so many new things. Um, we weren't buying a lot of houses. And then in the end of 2010, when I decided to buy rental properties, all of a sudden it kind of opened my eyes to a whole different market of rental properties. And um, I started at the end of 2010, the beginning of 2011. And then I realized, hey, I'm out of money. This rental property thing sucks. <laughs> it's just not working for me. And I had to go out and figure something else out. My back was against the wall. I wasn't able to pay uh, the, the bills at that time. So we sold four of those houses and that's when I had my big aha moment, my big breakthrough moment. And we ended up, I said, I said why can't we do this uh, every month? Why can't I make um, enough money every month that can pay for my family for an entire year? That's a pretty good ratio. That's what happened. I sold these four houses. And I went to work doing that and creating those systems and found a good JV partner and just started. Now I had, had these houses that I never thought about buying before. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. And as long as I get the capital, I could buy as many houses as I wanted. Um, and that kind of became my niche. People could tell me, oh, keep focus on rentals, buy rentals too. But so I just put my head down and my only goal was to keep, create a house flipping business and do as, as many as I could have those systems. Right. And so I want that I had a huge challenge, huge struggles. And then I had the biggest year ever. I bought 60 houses in 2011, which by at that point was more than I'd bought the previous four years combined. Okay. So Challenge number two, and this challenge may not seem as big, but it you know it's still a pretty big deal because last year uh, in December I had a lot of overhead, and all of a sudden we weren't buying very many houses. So big challenge, and then January kind of the same thing. And you know I remember you know talking to Kel, and he was even you know thinking about taking another job. I mean it was it was crazy, right? Like it was very very stressful. And not only for me, but for my team, because I really care about my team, want to take care of them, want things to go well. And I've been in, you know, difficult situations where your overhead is kind of out of control. And I'm like, okay, you know, even though things have gone really well, we've made a lot of money. It doesn't mean I, I got to keep an eye on this overhead thing and, and just be careful about, about everything. And we made a lot of changes. We did a lot of things. We implemented a lot of things. It took a long time for those things to work. But once they did, they, they really popped. And like I said, now we're buying about a house a day and, and things are just are crazy. And it's I've never done that. I've never bought a house a day, right? Um, so it's cool. I mean, you've got to find your niche. You've got to keep pushing through and and things will come together for you if you do all these things that, that we're talking about. Okay, so step number five and six, they can kind of, they almost kind of go together. 
Uh, but step number five is leverage others. So you've gotten educated, you've taken action, so you've kind of, you've learned what to do because you can't really teach people what to do if you don't know what to do. And don't get me wrong, all these kind of bleed together. Even though there's kind of a there's a uh, a flow, there's a roadmap. They they go one after another. They kind of bleed together. And the fact that you should be leveraging other people right from the beginning, like right when you very first start taking action. You don't need to be licking a thousand stamps, a thousand envelopes. Um, you just don't need to do that stuff, and it's going to be very hard for you to get the traction you need if you don't start leveraging other people right from the beginning. Okay, but you can't really leverage other people finding deals for you if you don't know what you're looking for. Okay, so yeah, you've got to learn some of these basic deal analyzation and taking action. You've got to do some of these things on your own so you know how to teach them. For it's a general rule. You've got to do it on your own first and then teach someone else how to do it. Once again, you don't need to learn how to lay carpet and all that stuff. I hope I hope this is making sense. Um, you don't know how to fix up a house on your own. You can have other people do that. So there's a lot of things you can have other people do for you. But as far as the deal analysis, you, you've, got to, you've got to know what you're looking for. Okay, what kind of houses are you looking for? What's your criteria? So those are things you've got to know. Um, but then, yeah, leverage others. You know, you've got to allow you've got to trust other people to do those things for you. And people struggle with this so much, so much. They have a hard time letting go. They think they'll do a better job than everyone else, but yet they're not doing anything because they've got too many balls that they're juggling in the air. Okay. And they're going to drop. So you've got to, um, empower people. You've got to work with other people. And that can be people who maybe you're joint venturing with. Um, maybe you say, Hey, Let's let's work together, right? And I'm not a big fan of partners where you both get an LLC together and you totally team up and it's 50-50 everything. But now you say, hey, look, you get out there, you do some hustling, you knock some doors. I might know a little more about closing these deals. So you go knock all these doors and then when you have a hot lead, you give me a call. Or you do driving for dollars, you send out the mail, you screen the calls, and then I'll be the closer, right? Do, figure out things like this, leverage others that you can work together in that way. Another way that you can leverage other people is by hiring an assistant. So this is something that I'm huge on, and you may not be ready for this at the beginning. That's why it's step four, okay? Because sometimes it takes a while to get going. Maybe you took some action, you made a little bit of money, and then you can hire an assistant. However, it's not as hard as some people think. You know, people spend, I I was talking to Lauren, um, who's in my mastermind group at one of the clubs I went to, and she didn't want to hire an assistant, but yet she spends thousands of dollars on direct marketing each month. And she was just kind of laughing about it because I was like, look, hire someone part-time. You know, if you're paying someone 12 bucks an hour and they're working for you 10 hours a week, that's like 500 bucks a month, right? And you don't look at it as what you're paying them per year because your goal is for within the first three months for them to... um make you five to 10 times what you're paying them. Okay. So, but you've got to hire someone. You got to, you got to outsource or hire someone to do the tasks that are not the highest and best use of your time. So things that are easy to do, like turn on utilities, help with paperwork, um, go drive around to properties. If, if you got to put lock boxes on all the minutia, all the stuff that you just got to do, that is stuff that you want to hire out. Bookkeeping. I hope you guys aren't doing your own bookkeeping. Um, all these things that just take time. You just cannot. I've never seen anyone. Sure, you can create a job for yourself. Look, let's call it how it is. You can create a job for yourself. You can make, you know, five figures, maybe even low six figure income a year 
by yourself. But if you truly want to create a seven-figure income, I mean, if you want to become wealthy, you've got to hire out the busy work, okay? You should not be going and changing out toilets and fixing leaks and all that stuff. Just don't do it. Don't fix the properties yourself. Um, don't be doing any of this stuff. I personally, I don't even like to you know clean my own house. And I, mean, you know, I, I help straighten up and little things here and there, but... You know, we hire that out, okay? And it's not, oh, we got money, so we hire that. I've been hiring that out even when I had $120,000 of debt because I knew that was what was going to get me ahead, right? You've got to value your time. You know, rich people do not um, hire things out because they have the money. They already had that mindset. They already valued their time before, and that's what got them there. I hear people all the time, oh, this guy's busy, so I'm not going to bother him. Well, yeah, you feel like he's busy because he's become successful, right? Because he values his time. So um, you've got to value your time and then your time will value you. And eventually your hourly rate will, you know, if you believe your hourly rate is a couple hundred dollars or $300 an hour, eventually it will it will get there. Okay, so back to hiring and, and outsourcing and training like an assistant, for example. Once again, this is step four, you may not, it might take you a couple months to get there but you want to give them basic tasks and then grow from there because if you give someone all these intense crazy tasks it's going to be um you, it's gonna be a lot of work for you to try to train them okay so don't just give them all your stuff right away give them the basic stuff and then continue to add and grow from there you want to also give them something that might be a little more in-depth training but it's something that they can do all the time constantly. For example, when I hired Vanessa, I said, okay, when you don't have utilities to turn on, when you don't have paperwork you're doing, you're not doing X, Y, and Z, I want you to be making offers on houses. Go on the MLS and look for any properties in these cities that look like they need work and make offers on. So it took me a little bit of time to train her on that, on, on evaluating those properties. She was already an agent. I looked for that intentional. It was intentional. Um, but I wanted her to have something that she could focus on. So I didn't feel like I just had to give her busy work or I had to stop everything I was doing to give her stuff to do. So you want something they can work on all the time when they have nothing to do. That might be, um, you know, writing letters or getting marketing ready or putting out bandit signs or knocking doors or making cold calls or um, following up with, with sellers that have been calling or maybe they're screening calls and then following up. So you want to have something for them to always do when they have nothing to do. Okay, and then as far as training, you want to make sure that you're giving them constant, constructive feedback. Okay, now whenever I hire someone, this is the number one thing I look for, is that they are able and willing to take constructive feedback. When I'm doing the interview, I'll be like, okay, so just so you know, I'm very direct, and you know, we don't have toes around here, no no step, stepping on toes, we don't get our feelings hurt, no feelings I'm going to be very direct with you because that's the only way you can grow. That's the only way you can know what I need you to do. Don't you hate it when someone gets mad at you for something? They don't even like, not mad at you, but they don't tell you they're mad. They don't tell you there's something bothering them. And like you're a mind reader, right? And then it blows up and gets crazy and everyone's upset, right? So anytime something happens, I'm like, boom, I'm on it. Hey, why'd you do this? Kale, why'd you screw up? What happened here? What did this happen? Vanessa, what happened here, right? It's okay. And then when they do something amazing, hey, that's awesome. Good job. Literally, it is so funny how often I talk to Vanessa, Kyle, Kel, Jordan, and even my mom and our team. And I'm like, 
getting on them about something. Hey, why did this happen? What's going on here? And then literally like a minute later, I'm like, hey, great job on this. Sometimes I'll be going through like uh, reading emails and I get a couple emails from the same person. It's like, dude, what the heck happened here? It's like, hey, great job. Two minutes later, right? It's not, um, it just is what it is. You say it how it is, you keep it real. And people kind of learn that, oh, that's how they are, right? And um, they learn not to get their feelings hurt. And actually what's funny is at first they might get their feelings hurt a little bit, but they will respect you more over time. Um, it's important. People were so afraid of um, you know, butting heads or having any kind of uh, friction with anyone, but you know, you've, you've, it's, it can be good, right? Not, I don't mean that in a, in a crazy mean way. It's like, but you've got to have a little bit of that. Okay. It's very healthy. It's very okay. You just got to be direct. That's all it comes down to really is just being direct, letting people know what's on your mind. Okay. Be honest up front and giving them that feedback is going to, is what's going to help them grow and truly become leaders. That's what I'm doing on my team is I am trying to create leaders. And another one of the things we do for that is I want them to be problem solvers. I want them to be thinkers. They are not allowed to ask questions at all. They come to me with solutions. And people underestimate all the time how much time it takes to think about things. It's so easy for someone to be like, oh, I don't know what to do here. What should we do? No, I hired you so you you figure it out, right? That's your job. You keep that monkey on your back. Don't put that monkey on me. And you figure it out. You come to me with a solution. So all the time, if people ask me a question, it's like, was that a question? And we kind of joke about it. And they're like, no, okay, this is what I think we should do. And I say, get done. Do it. 95% of the time, you'll be amazed. They, they nail it. They're dead on. And you've got to empower them. If you tell them to ask you, come with you solutions, and then you're all, okay, well, let me think about it. I mean, you know, if, if it's like 50-50, say, okay, do it. And then later on, if you really change your mind, you can let them know. But that's going to empower them. That's going to make them feel like, okay. I have a voice. I'm a smart person. I know what I'm doing. I, I, I can do this. And it's amazing what that will do for your business. It will literally um, you know, take you from having that job to, to where other people will take off and do that for you. And you can literally you know, be doing whatever you're doing and your business is going to be growing. And it's, it's just an amazing feeling when, when you get to that point. Okay, so step six, and this is a step that um, you're going to be doing throughout your business as well, but is is systematize, okay? And systems, you guys all hear me talk about systems all the time, so I'm not going to go on too much about it, but every single thing you do in your business should have a system. Those systems are always growing and evolving. Everyone has their role. You try not to have too much crossover, and everything is systematic. You know, one thing happens, which triggers another thing. Uh, you know, we are recently using, uh, Podio as a, a software to help us improve our systems. And, you know, you don't need to do that at the beginning. You don't need to have a major software thing, but once you get going and get to these systems, you really want to, uh, make sure you streamline and our agents and our contractors and our escrow companies and our financing and the way we close properties, we have checklists. It's all done with a system, the way we analyze our properties is all systematic. So you've got to have those systems. Once again, you've heard me talk about these things before, so I'm not going to get into too much detail, but bottom line is you can either create the machine and then just have to maintain it and have it work for you, or you can be the machine. I don't know about you, but I would much rather create a machine that works for me rather than be a machine. So when you think, oh, this is hard, you know, creating a business is hard, just think about the guy. I tell a story about this guy who 
made widgets and he made 10 widgets a day, which made him $200 a day. And he worked really hard. He worked 10 hours a day. And then one day he found out that he could make this machine. He could create a machine that would make him 100 widgets a day, which would be $2,000 a day. The catch was that this machine cost $50,000 and would take 500 man hours. So what do you think he did? He never made the machine. He's like, well, I don't have any extra money. I don't have any disposable income. And I don't really have any time. You know, I'm sure I could probably work in the evenings and, and miss watching that TV show I love. Um, put in a little extra time on Saturdays and, and just figure out how to make it happen. But uh, I'm busy. I don't really want to do that. You know, and the difference between him making that sacrifice and actually building this machine and not doing it, you know, I kind of round these numbers here, what he would, what he would make in both scenarios. And it would be him going from about $65,000 a year income to $650,000 a year. And the first scenario, he's working 50 hours a week. And the second scenario, he's just doing maintenance. He's working like five hours a week, a few hours a week. And then he continues to grow his machine if with that extra time if he wants, or he can spend it doing other things he loves. So a little bit of sacrifice, um, over the next, I don't know, year, two years, three years, depending on where you're at, can really change the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying to get unbalanced, right? I'm all about balance. And if you're not happy with your life and and your, your loved ones and focused on the things that matter most, then none of this is ever going to matter. Uh, but you've got to, you've, sometimes it's just getting out of your comfort zone. It may not even just be putting in the more hours, but it's getting out of your comfort zone and doing the things that really matter, focusing on those things that that really matter the most and taking a little bit of risk and and I don't mean just financially but a little bit of risk by doing being uncomfortable I guess you know and and it can really change your life and then step number seven is is get out of the way and I've kind of gotten to this a little bit but you've just got to get out of the way you've created the system you've created this machine and you've got to trust your people to to do their thing and I'm not saying to not have checks and balances, right? We have all kinds of checks and balances, but you've got to empower the people. You've got to get out of the way. It's pretty funny. I remember the second seminar I ever went to, you know, I had my, my brother was working for me and I was nervous to leave. And I was like, oh my gosh, the business is going to fall apart. But it was incredible. Once when I left and he knew he didn't have access to me for like three or four days or five days, the things that he did on his own were incredible because I was out of the way. He, he didn't have me to ask questions to. You know, back then we didn't have the no questions asked policy. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. My business did all these things when I was gone and had no idea. You know, I just got these updates and it was really cool. And that's how I run my business today is I tr- really try really hard to get out of the way. Sometimes I'll get a little anxious and I'm bored and not that I get bored too much, but you know, sometimes and I like, oh, I got to call Vanessa. I got to call Jordan, I should call Kel. It's like, no, I should call Kyle. Stop. Let them do their thing, right? I mean, sure, you call everyone's phone, you need to you do things when you need to, but let them do their thing. And if you step in too much, then you become the bottleneck. So once again, this is kind of as you get things going. I, I, at the beginning, you know, there's there's a saying that um, says, the less I do, the more money I make. And I've always had a hard time with that saying because it feels like get rich quick, do nothing, be lazy, and just no. But it's this is why I, I outlined these seven steps because this doesn't come 
until step seven. It doesn't come until you've taken the action, until you've put in the work, until you've created the machine, and then you've got to get out of the way. Because if you get too involved in that machine, those people are going to count on you to always be involved, and then you have to be involved. But if you can kind of step back and just kind of oversee and just make sure all the parts are moving um, correctly, then you can just grow the machine. Or you can do what you want with your time, right? Um, and just spend a little time maintaining the machine. But it, it really is an amazing thing um, to, to see that, that happen. So let me review really quickly here uh, our seven steps. You have education. Got to get educated. And then you go back and get educated more and you keep learning. Implementation. Taking action. Taking action where it counts, right? Identify those first steps and enter the speed vortex of learning support group you've got to surround yourself with a support group make it important whether you pay for this group or whether you get some people together you guys know um i have a program you can reach out to us i believe we have opened the doors again um house flipping reach out to us at info at housefippinghq.com we can tell you more about that it's incredibly inexpensive compared to most of the groups out there I don't really make a ton of money from that. Um, don't get me wrong. We're always trying to look at ways where we can improve that. But it's the, the for me, the value comes, not, not, not only do I love doing it, but also the value comes from the people I get to work with. Okay, and that's part of the reason also why we're doing so well is because all the people that we're able to work with from um, the, groups that, the group that we've created. So anyway, not to go off a tangent there, but just reach out to us at infohousewippinghq.com if you have questions about that. Um, leveraging others. Okay. Oh, number four, I'm sorry. Find your niche. And then number five, leverage others. Six, systematize. Seven, get out of the way. So, um, all right, guys. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to once again, invite you all out to, um, our seven figure flipping seminar that is taking place here in Orange County. On May 9th, we have found a location. You can go to houseflippinghq.com slash seminar to find out more details. And I am going to really, really be diving into numbers five and six and seven, but mainly talking more about hiring people and systems. We are going to drill down into the systems. We are going to take you through Podio and how we use that soft software. Um, I'm also going to be giving you because I really do believe that systems from the beginning is something you need to implement into your business. So I think there's some people who, although this is kind of an advanced class, and if you are doing deals right now, this will be huge for you. This is not just a beginner's class. But if you are a beginning, I think this will also be a really good class for you because number one, you got to know the end from the beginning. And then number two, it is systems that helps you throughout the entire way. But if you know where you're going, you're going to be a lot uh, more likely to get there. Then also I had someone ask me, okay, I'm a wholesaler, so would this be good for me to go? Yes. First off, Andy McFarland is going to come, and he's going to be teaching you how he runs his wholesaling machine, which he's currently doing about 15 deals per month. You know, He's going to do probably a couple hundred deals this year in wholesaling. So he's going to teach you how he does that, but also to be in a room with a bunch of experienced rehabbers. I mean, to be a successful wholesaler, one of your number one things is have a great buyer's list. That's one of the things Stephen does so well. So... To be in that room with all these people who are rehabbers, that's going to be great as well. Um, so 
there's no excuse not to come. Oh, also, I'm giving out several bonuses. I'm going to give a, a course away on the House Living Fundamentals. I'm going to be giving away a deal analyzation course for free. And then I'm also going to give uh, away the last two seminar recordings that we did um, on house buying that we did in October on focusing on on the strategies of buying houses. And then also the one I did with Andy at the beginning of this year in January in, in Salt Lake, where he talked more about his wholesaling business. We talked a lot about mindset and systems. And I'm just going to be giving those things away because number one, I have them. And I just don't, I don't mind. Here, here you go. Take it. I want you to learn. And number two, it, it will help those of you who are beginners. So there's, there's no excuses. I want everyone to hit the ground running when they get there and to be on the same page and just feel explode your business guys. Um, you know, it's, it's said that the biggest ROI, the biggest return we'll ever get on our investment is our education. As long as you're not getting ripped off by $40,000 programs that, you know, don't really teach anything. But other than that, that's your biggest ROI invest in yourself. Okay. So, Check it out, housewippinghq.com slash seminar. If you have any questions, reach out to us at info at housewippinghq.com. The price is going to be going up shortly as we get closer to the time, but I would love to see you there. Um, And that's it, guys. So have a great week. Get out there. Take action. Fail hard. Fail fast. Don't lose money, but make things happen. Take action where it counts. And we will see you guys next week on the Housewipping HQ podcast. Bye-bye. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.